Okay, today's podcast, in a way, kind of is exciting because this sort of blew my mind. And I get my mind blown a lot. I mean, that sounded weird. That sounded that sounded almost like we'd have to put explicit lyrics on this. But I do get my mind blown a lot. But this one, this one's different. This one really made me think a lot about what we do about resilience and robustness and effectiveness and efficiency and thoroughness and safety and protection and process. This one made me think. Hey everybody, pre-accident podcast. I'm Todd Conklin, your host for today. How are you? amid a giant global pandemic that I don't make light of by any stretch of the imagination, and that is flexing its muscle. The The virus is clearly not over us as uh, human beings on Earth, and it's flexing its muscles, and there's so much going. The complexity of this problem is really quite remarkable. And you see... You see a real push away from expertise. You see a push away. And, and that's, that's part of sort of a swing towards popularism, which I would sort of fault to social media if I had to fault it. But, but that, that push away from expertise almost, almost guarantees to a great extent that the complex problem that we're involved in globally will continue to be a complex problem. We are really all in this together, and that is really discomforting and and kind of frustrating. Good, that, I can't, could I think of a more depressing way to start a podcast? I don't know if I could, actually. That's, uh, that's hard, yeah, sorry about that. I, I should get in, so I'm, I'm mostly curious how you're doing. How are you doing? Are you okay? Is life grand? I mean, um, are you making it? Are you keeping everybody safe and happy and well and robust and resilient? Um, are you attuned to the new world in which we live? Which, for my world, seems to be sitting in a room alone staring at a green dot. I do a lot of talking to green dots. I've enjoyed it. It's been fun, you know, because I'm trying to really, I'm trying to think of ways to, to create a sense of intimacy between the meetings that we have, like Zoom or Microsoft Teams. And so I've done some things, at least on my side of the house, to, to create that. I don't use slide view. I just don't. It seems like it disconnects the listener from the talker. Um, and it's, a, it's kind of an abrupt intervention into a conversation to go to slide view because it just fills your screen with the slide. I mean, I, it, has a, it has a role. There's no question there's an important role to it. So what I've started doing is using a monitor behind my head and then showing the slides. You have to really change your slides, but showing the slides in really big words. So they show up kind of like the weatherman does when the weathermen were doing their weather from home during when we all were at stay home orders, how they would kind of sit in front of their TV and point at the, that's what I'm doing sort of. And it seems to be more effective. It's, I would say it's not easier from my standpoint. In fact, it's, Kind of a lot more complex, and geez, Louise, figuring out how what colors to make the slides and 
how many words can be on there and if they're readable. Oy, oy, oy. Yeah, we're all in the, this together, so I'm not complaining. But I do think there's a huge need for us to collectively talk about how we can be as impactful and as personal as we possibly can in our relationship building while we're using mediated communication like Teams and Zoom and WebEx and those kind of things because so much of our world is on that right now. And I don't think it's all bad. Uh, it, well, so let me take that back. I'm I'm certain it's not all bad. It's just that we're having to rethink about how we do the work we do. It's it's completely changed, uh, like training for me. It's just it's a completely different thing. It's 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 so different, and there's active learning, and there's actions, and it's it's been interesting. We should talk about this more. That is not really the point of today's podcast. Today's podcast is is really a discussion of something I want you to think about a lot. And and I think we should probably get into it legitimately. So so let me tell you that w- when we come back from the little music break, from the little bumper music we're, we're going to have that we play all the time, the, the, the acoustic guitar bumper music, let's have a discussion around something that I've thought about a bunch it's kind of controversial. People get really, really angry at me and write me mean hate mail that mostly I don't read, so it doesn't really bother me right away. But that conversation is one that we should really have. So let's talk a tiny bit about behavioral-based safety and kind of how behavioral-based safety was incredibly important on our developmental journey, it was huge for many, many years. It was touted and talked about. It was supported by lots of people around the world with big reputations, big ideas. Um, Scott Geller, Tom Kraus, Aubrey Daniels. These are just a, a few names to toss out there. Behavioral-based safety, at its premise, was built around the idea that the worker is the problem to be fixed. And if you focus on worker behavior and you observe, count, measure, track, trend, behavioral choices, you'll actually create more safety. And this has been around. I mean, it's not a new idea. I mean, not at all. In fact, Heinrich talked about at-risk behaviors in the 30s when he talked about the Heinrich Pyramid. So the idea that there are these behaviors, these at-risk behaviors, and that people choose to have those behaviors is a fundamental premise around behavioral-based safety. You know this. I mean, we don't have to spend a lot of time going through this. And the challenge is, and it's really a challenge, is that we would have better safety if people made better choices, which is probably right. I mean, that's probably exactly right. If I, if I made perfect choices every time I made choices, then my life, I guess, would be perfect. The issue I have is that what appears in retrospect as a choice oftentimes is simply not a choice in context. And this has not made me terribly popular. Well, kind of it has, you guys. Kind of it's, it's sort of made me kind of popular because I got to have some big, quite publicized debates with some big people 
around this topic. And it always kind of came around to the idea that at a fundamental premise, behavioral-based safety sees the worker as the problem to be fixed. Now, I know they're going to get really angry and tell me that's not true, but it is true. I mean, it's it's the the attention that the program pays is to individual worker behavior, one worker at a time observing that behavior. I mean, that that's how it works, unless I'm really wrong, and then I've been really wrong a long time, right? And the the shift towards this newer view, which this really makes people crazy, is that the worker's not the problem. In many ways, what the worker is the problem solver. And I've been looking for ways to talk about this that are as impactful as they can possibly be, and I think I might have accidentally found it, and this is the part that sort of blew my mind. And it's the part we should talk about because I actually think this next phrase is as meaningful as anything probably I've read or written. And I think this next phrase is what we ought to look at. And and it really turns around a couple different words. It's the idea that you can look at workers making bad choices or you can look at workers having bad choices. And the difference between making and having is the difference between individual free agency, free will, and being part of a larger system, a a context-filled system, in which outcomes are dictated by the context within the system. He says, defining the word by using the very same words. That's not going to put me at the top of the academic list. But I want you to think about what I just said. Because I think making bad choices really implies that the burden for the choice is on the person taking the action. But having bad choices, that's very different. And this is really a direct function of the little CoronaCast I did earlier this week that talked about paradox. Because I've been really thinking a lot about paradox and about how different paradox is than choice. And I know why I've been thinking about paradox because we're really in a paradox. Or better maybe is the organization in which you work is definitely dealing with lots of paradox. You're dealing with lots of decisions that are not one or the other. They're yes and. So a classic decision is you choose one or the other. But a paradox says, I must deal with one and the other. And the difference in those decisions, and you've dealt with paradox your whole life, so this is not new, but the difference in those decisions as an organization responds is pretty tough because our classic problem-solving methods have been rather linear and have been dictated by past experience. And so what happens when you have a future state or a current state maybe that is much different than the past state? Introducing paradoxical management where you have to do the work and do it within public health parameters. Right? That's a par- that's not one or the other. It's a paradox. And so this idea 
that we can look at people and say they made a bad choice is clearly one intellectual outcome that we can choose. It's a very comfortable intellectual outcome because it's incredibly simplified. It makes a ton of immediate sense, and it dictates that you have a weak person in the system. And so, therefore, if you fix the weak person, behavioral-based safety, observe them, track them, trend them, then you can actually continue to use the existing system. And that worked. I mean, it, it, I'm not saying behavioral-based safety wasn't effective. I, I, I think it did. I mean, it might be a little bit of Hawthorne effect, but I think it did make a difference. The problem is, is we're now living in a world where oversimplification of the problem isn't helpful because classic either-or decision-making no longer really applies. And you, you're seeing this. I mean, you, you're seeing this if you're putting kids in school or if you're choosing to go to the market, or if you choose to go on a trip or fly in a plane. I mean, I think about these all the time because these are these are truly paradox. I need to fly in a plane and not get sick and not get exposed. So I have to do both. And that introduced the idea of the difference between making bad choices and having bad choices. Now, I know you can listen to me and think, well, clearly he's exonerating personal responsibility, personal accountability from that, the question. No, I don't think so. I think that's an important conversation to have. I'm not sure we're going to have time to have it today. But I think personal accountability plays in this in a forward-looking way. So look at personal accountability as creating an environment where the system is flexible enough and there's enough data and enough ability and enough capacity to manage a paradox, right? You, you can do both. But I think this idea of making bad choices versus the idea of having bad choices is a thought experiment that we should be thinking about. So much so that I made it an entire podcast because I think there's some responses that we can come up with. And, and these are mine. I'm, I'm clearly biased in the way I think about this because I'm going to think about this in a restorative way, because near as I can tell you guys, that's been the most helpful tool I've had, especially during this very acute period of crisis. Lots of crises going on simultaneously. So if you look at an event and the person clearly made a bad choice, my response is to be kind, to think about this in a way that you're kind. If you look at an event and the person clearly was given bad choices or had bad choices, that's when you should be pissed. Because if all the choices put the worker in a position where there was goal conflict, where there was dilemma, where the paradox did not have enough latitude and capacity to be successfully managed, blaming the person will get you nowhere. You should be pissed at the system. And you should work diligently and effectively to change that system. This idea, the difference between making bad choices and having bad choices, is incredibly powerful, not just as a way to think about and learn from past actions, but to think about 
and create future systems. We should build systems where the choices we give workers are clear, transparent, understood, and lead us towards building capacity. We shouldn't build systems that are solely reliant upon the person making the right choice every time, in retrospect, a choice looked like it was to be made. Which takes me back to behavioral-based safety. Would behavioral-based safety be different if 30 years ago we talked about the difference between making bad choices and having bad choices? And my guess is, by definition, it would be a different program. Because if you look at the idea of having bad choices, then you're going to look at a system that is aligned towards brittleness and away from capacity. I think about this as I think about what we deal with every single day. The paradox in which we live and the decisions that we're having to make now Are they good decisions because we're good decision makers? Or are they good decisions because we've created a system where good decisions are available to the workforce? Making bad choices versus having bad choices. So what do you think? Drop me a comment. I'm curious to see what you think about this because uh, this this really impacted me, and I'd, I, I'd be curious to see why you think it did and, and if it had the same impact it, it had on you. It's just a way to see the world that fits into our worldview pretty nicely. I mean, it fits into everybody's worldview pretty nicely, but it was a beyond – I had simply not thought of it this way or not seen it as clearly as – this allowed me to think about it clearly. And I think that is really important to where we go with what happens next. Because I'm, I'm curious and a bit concerned about what next looks like. I think we'll get through this. I mean, people are incredibly resilient, and we have the ability to create success in very complex environments. We do it all the time. It's that this environment, the stakes seem really high and we're so polarized, really globally polarized around what this all means. It's a, it's a, it's a interesting time to be a human being. It, but that's probably always true. I mean, I can't think of a time when that would not be true, but it seems true. And this is our interesting time to be a human being. It's our interesting time for us to, I think, move forward and effectively bounce ahead and and create change that's positive and effective. And that, I think, is a great opportunity. I mean, there's no question about that. And I think the idea of, I guess, the difference between making bad choices and having bad choices and our response to this, the difference in how we respond, 
if a person makes bad choices, we should be kind and restorative. We should understand, learn, and try to improve, right? If a person has bad choices, we need to take a bigger question. We need to look at that bigger question and talk about the environment, the system in which that person is existing. And I think that really leads us, both outcomes really lead us to the ability to move forward. And that, my friends, is a valuable way to think of this. At least it is for me. So that's what I'm thinking. I don't know. It'd be I'm curious what you think. If this has impact to you and if it has impact to your organization. I, my guess is it will. It, it certainly has impacted me for the last several days. And that's good. That That's nice. I, I like it. It keeps me mentally agile, as does the entire journey of creating my own e-bike, which uh, we'll have to talk about that, too, in great details, because there's, uh, we'll see what I learn. I'm learning lots of stuff now, that's for sure. So thanks for listening. I think we need each other more than we ever have before. I was talking to Ron Gant the other day about his group that he gets together, and the the need to build community or maintain community, I think invite new people into our community, diverse thought, diverse ideas, is never been more important, but I know that's always true. And it's good that we get to hang out with each other. And thank you. Uh, so many people listen to these podcasts. It's a little bit freaky. Uh, it freaks me out. That that's that freaks me out. And the video of the little kid who's throwing sticks to his dog and picked up a snake and threw it, that freaked me out too. But that's a, that's a whole other podcast as well. Until then, my friends, thank you for listening. Subscribe, tell your friends. That makes a big difference. Feel free to share this. Learn something new every single day. I did today. Have as much fun as you possibly can. Be kind to each other. It's never been more important. And for goodness sakes, be safe. 